I want to talk tonight about the church. And this is something I've been studying the last couple weeks. We've been talking about it in Denver. And as we've been talking about it, and as I've been studying it, I have just gotten more and more encouraged. And because I've been where you've been in the being in a new season of a new baby church and knowing that there there's a, a target from the enemy on you guys. That it doesn't want a church, God, or the enemy does not want the church to thrive. The enemy doesn't want the church to grow. The enemy doesn't want the church to be healthy. And so how much more in this season of being like a, a baby whose immune system isn't fully developed or strong yet, to get beefed up in the spirit to protect yourself from the attack of the enemy. And so that's what was on my heart for, um, for you guys is talking about what God says about the church, specifically what God says about the church because there are so many views about the church. And I've been in different denominations um, and been exposed to different, like, different platforms or different like expressions. So I've been in house churches and I've also been in a mega church and I've been in a church plant and it's like I, I, I've been a missionary. So I know like different expressions of the church and because of those different expressions, we can have different perspectives, obviously. But how, what our perspective is of something, how we view something, what we believe about something is how we will relate to it. it that determines my relationship with it what I believe about something. So if I were to think that you were a, a thief, <laughs> I'm going to keep my distance from you. If I think or believe that you're a liar, I'm not going to trust you. So what you think about something determines your relationship with it. And so what you think about the church is really important to know, what do I think about the church? Because that determines how you walk in these doors and how you meet and relate to the people that are next to you. And how you engage God because it's his body. And so I want us to, I have a Bible somewhere, I don't know where, but I also have it on my computer. But I want us to see what the word says about the church. Not what we just think, what we feel, what we believe. Um, but, I, but with that, I was like, well, how many views are out there? How many perspectives are out there? How many denominations are out there? And there are over, uh, their estimates are that there's over 33 thousand different denominations, different Christian denominations, over 33,000 different Christian denominations. And some people could argue that that's like just an example of how divisive or fractured the church is, right? You could argue that. You could also argue, well, it's one body with many different parts and it has different expressions. So arguments could be made for both sides. So Again, I don't want us to just like, what do I think about the church? What do I feel about the church? But go to what the word says and what the truth is. Um, but we, I have been, like I said, in different churches. And so I have had these different perspectives. And I want to see if you guys can relate to some of these. And the reason I could quickly pull these out of my head was because I've been there. Where I want the church to be relevant. It needs to be reaching the lost. It needs to be something that's like, it's not foreign language, right? It needs to be relevant. Have you ever felt that way? Or have you also thought that the church should be counterculture and radical and supernatural? Those are two different things. <laughs> Those are two different things. Or that the church is meant to reach the lost. It's meant to go into all the, the world and make disciples of all the nations. It's meant to reach the lost. Or is it meant to equip the saints and empower them 
that we should be eating spiritual meat and heart, like solid food and not just spiritual milk. Right? So is the church meant to be seeker sensitive and reach the lost or is it meant to, meant to give you food and like hard things to digest? Like those are, again, two different views. Um, that the church is meant to be this reverent, sacred, holy place. It's, we're on sacred ground. His presence is here. It's sobering. Or is it meant to be really familial? Like, I'm comfortable here. This is like, he's my father, and then we're family. So, again, <laughs> I've been there in all of these places. Can you guys relate to any of those? Yeah. Feel free to talk, talk to me because I like to hear what you guys are thinking. So, again, whatever we view or whatever we expect of the church is how we're going to relate to it. And so you could have come, like I know people who think the church is um, like a mess. It's totally dysfunctional. It's falling apart. doesn't know up from down. It's not describing to the word, blah, blah, blah. You could, you could have all these like negative perspectives about the church. Or other people who have like a super expectant view of the church. Well, I should come here and they should be doing ministry to the, uh, to the lost. They should be doing ministry to the poor. They should have a children's ministry and a youth ministry and women's and men's. And some people have this hyper expectant view of the church and that this is where our needs get met. And then there's other people who are like, that place is a mess. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And so I want, if you could, just think for a second, where are you at right now? And wherever it is, that's fine. I want you to know that's totally fine. Wherever you think, whatever you're feeling, that's fine. Because we're going to turn whatever it is inside of us, what we're feeling, what we're thinking, what our hearts, where our heart's at, to the word. Because that's a good place to turn everything. <laughs> so in Acts 20, 28, this is... Um, Obviously, the, the church is new, and uh, new believers, and the word is spreading to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and um, this is what I believe the word says about the church. <clears throat> One, that we're a flock, so pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flocks, so we are called sheep, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So the church, what the word is telling us is that it was obtained by Jesus' blood. It was purchased by his blood. It was an act of God. The church is an act of God. It's not man's idea. That's good for us to remember. Matthew 16, 18 talks about Jesus is saying that um, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not withstand it. Like they cannot penetrate my church. I am the builder. So he obtained it with his blood. He purchased it. He's the builder. Psalm 127, I think it says that unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. So we want him to be the builder. You guys do not want me to build a church. You don't want hats to build a church. You don't want the band to build a church. You want God to build the church. We want him to build the church. And you want to follow leaders and listen to leaders who are following God. That, like, submitted to him. So he's, he purchased it. It's an act of God. He is the builder of it. And then its growth comes from him. Um, Luke, I don't know if I gave this one to you, but it's Colossians 2.19. And it says... 
um, this is Paul talking to the church, and he's warning them about um, those that don't hold fast to the head. So talking about God as the head of the body. So he's warning them against these people who don't hold fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. So the church growth is from God. And he is a good vine dresser. He's a good vine dresser. Where there's, there's bad fruit, he's going to remove it. Where there's good fruit, he's going to prune it. And so both of those things, either being removed or pruned, could be painful or hard or testing. But he's a good vine dresser because he wants us to bear more fruit. So he's the purchaser with his blood. He's the builder. He, he is the um, one that causes it to grow. So if we think then, which I don't want to go into all the different perspectives of the church, but if I were to only truly read what the word says, what God did and what he believes about the church, then I have a lot of hope for the church. Because he built it. He is building it. He is growing it. He's nourishing it. That's really good news. And when we take our perspective off of him and what he says and what his word says and who he is and what he's doing and put it on, well, this person's doing this or they don't provide this ministry or we don't have the funds to do this and we take our perspective off of who he is, then we will despair because he, our hope isn't in a church. Our hope is in a man named Jesus. Hope is Jesus. And so we have to fix our eyes on him as he perfects us, which is the church. Um, so lots of unique, obviously, expressions of the church, right? And that's okay. When I think about what God's doing on the earth and how he re- wants to reach us, like all of us, that he longs that none should perish, that all should come to know him, then he is, I believe he is planting a seed of a Presbyterian church, or a seed of a Methodist church, or a seed of an upper room, or a seed of a Pentecostal church, or a seed of a Catholic church, because he wants all to come to know him. And where people might feel more comfortable in a certain place, or they relate to a certain place, or that's down the street and they can walk there because maybe they don't have a car, then, then he's planting these churches and causing them to grow so that his name, his knowledge, is covering the earth as the waters cover whatever that verse is. but he is not worried about like more churches need to be like that church he he doesn't want the church down the street or frisco first baptist of frisco to like oh their pastors meeting their elders meeting they get together and like well guys did y'all see what they're doing down in upper room did y'all watch youtube we should be more like that he's that's not what god wants he wants upper upper room frisco to be upper room frisco He doesn't want them to be Upper Room Denver, and he doesn't want Upper Room Denver to be First Baptist of Denver, and he doesn't want Upper Room Dallas to be like Fellowship Dallas. He doesn't want those. He wants us to be us. It would be like us saying like all preachers should be the same or teachers should look the same. Well, hats makes a good hat. He tells dad jokes, and he studies the Nephilim, and... (laughs) I, I'm not supposed to be hats. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to be autumn. I make a good autumn, and so the same for upper room Frisco makes a good upper room Frisco. 
And I want to tell you that, that you, who you guys are, y'all's unique expression is a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And so don't constantly be like, well, this, well, that, well, this, well, that. Just be like, Lord, I am blessing you for your growth in this place. I'm honoring you for building this place. Build it more. Grow it more. Nourish it more. And looking to him to do it. So we have a lot of hope for the church. This is a quote from T.S. Eliot. It says, the true church can never fail for it is based upon a rock. He's a rock. It's not going to fail. He built it. He birthed it. He's nourishing and growing it. It's not going to fail. <clears throat> so then with that, this is what I'm asking from you and from an outsider who is not really an outsider because I'm one family with you. I have more in common with you guys than I do with a lot of people because we have one father, one spirit. We drink from one cup. We have one baptism. We're one body. I have a lot in common with you. So we might not know each other like I know your name and your kids' names or where you live or where you go to school. I don't know those things, but I have a lot in common with you, and we're family. And I want us to have a family perspective when we come in here. And I'm going to tell you why. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So Jesus named Upper Room Frisco. <laughs> this is a family. He has a family culture for you guys. He has a family motto for you guys. He has a family mission for you guys. And when I think about family, like we might, we could all have, I don't know how many people are in this room, but a hundred different perspectives of what family looks like based on our family of origin, right? Again, this is where I feel like it goes back to like, what does the word say about the church? What does he say about family? Um, and I know that God is coming back for family. He's not coming back for employees. You're not his employee. You're not his slave. You're not his, his, like, worker bee. You're not his minister. Like, you are his family. He calls us sons and daughters. He calls us the bride. There's a, a, an element of, like, intimacy. He's speaking about something very intimate when he calls us family. And that's who he's coming back for. And so when we think about that, he's coming back for something he knows very intimately. And he knows it intimately because he's been here with you this whole time. He's, his presence is filling this place. His presence is washing over your minds. His presence is filling your hearts. His presence is touching our bodies. His presence, so he's like, there's a familiar, like there's a familiar aspect of when he comes back, it's going to be, oh, I know you. And you're going to be like, I know you. I'm so glad you came home or came to see me or came to take me. Like, it's like, we're, there's going to be this family perspective. And so, Again, that's how we want to relate to the church. Because if we think of it as dysfunctional, um, if we think of it as formal, if we think of it as uncomfortable, if we think of it as a, a nuisance, if we think of it as a thing to do, a thing to add to the, our checklist for the week, that's how we're going to engage it. But if I come to this place and you come to this place with your heart open to say, I'm about to participate with my family, then your heart's in a different position. 
and you care about the people that are behind, sitting behind you, and you care about the kids that are down the hall, and you care about is there enough parking, you care about is there enough greeters, you care about if there are enough Samuel School volunteers, you care about those things because you care about is your family doing okay. Um, and so the family perspective, and this is like when I grew, grew up, the family gathered around the table. And we, as a church, get to gather around the elements of his body and his blood. But we come to a table. And so put this picture in your mind that I would love for you guys to think of church as Thanksgiving. It's a really fun holiday. <laughs> it's my favorite holiday. I love food. So church is thank like Thanksgiving, where if you guys, I don't know, I'll just tell you a little bit about our Thanksgiving growing up. Um, this might not be in y'all's the case for you guys, but my um, my mom's family lives in Houston. My I'm from a family of four. There's four of us kids, but each of my parents is from a family of one of they're one of six, and so that's really big family. I probably have forty something cousins, but we would go to Thanksgiving in Houston, and there would be people there who weren't our family members. <laughs> Uh, because our family was just so opening. So we would have, like, my cousins, friends from school would come because maybe their family wasn't doing Thanksgiving or maybe it was bad food. I don't know. So they would come to our Thanksgiving. Or or the, um, this is my favorite, when, like, there would be a divorce somewhere in the line, but the in-laws of the other ones would still come to our family Thanksgiving. <laughs> We're like, whoa, I guess, okay. <laughs> That's okay. But what, I, what it showed me was that, man, anyone's welcome to this table. And you all have that perspective here of anyone can walk in here. And you're going to make them welcome because this is your house. And if someone came into your house, if I came into your house, you wouldn't ignore me. You would offer me a glass of water. Do you want to sit down? You'd take my coat if it was maybe December, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you'd take my flip-flops and be like, you can leave them at the door. It's hot here. It's hot here, guys. But, so, that's what you do at this pl in this place. If this is a family perspective, like, we would walk in, and if someone's a stranger, you, you would greet them. It's not up to the connect team. We're all the connect team. Because <laughs> this is our house. And so I'm going to make you feel welcome. And so, coming to the table, but back to the food. Um, <laughs> we, because there were so many people at Thanksgiving, people would be responsible for, to bring different types of food. So this person's responsible for the chips and queso because we're in Texas. That's what you serve at Thanksgiving. <laughs> you would um, have whatever. You're in charge of the stuffing. You're in charge of the fruit salad. You're in charge of the pies. But my family or my mom was in charge of the fruit salad. And so as, that's a lot of fruit salad for 40-some people, but that's a lot of fruit. Me and my sister are helping chop. It's a lot of, like, whipped cream because that's what we put on the fruit salad. And so we're, we're adding, like, we're, we're doing this as, you know, mom and my sister and I, we're making this fruit salad. But I don't have, I don't have, like, a passion for fruit salad. I don't have a calling to be a fruit salad maker. But I care about family. And I want to participate in my family. And so I'm going to make a fruit salad. And I'm not looking at the pie makers and being like, oh, someday I'm going to be a pie maker. Someday I'm going to carve the turkey. Because there's not hierarchy in family. There's not egos in family. We don't show up and say, well, you know, I'm a captain in the Navy, or I wrote a book, or I own a nonprofit. Like, we're not showing up with egos. We're coming up to just eat and be together. And that's what we want in here, that it's like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm an elder here. 
Like there's not hierarchy and there's not egos in this place because we're family coming together to gather around him who's our food <laughs> and we're coming to feast on him. And so I, like, I want everyone to come to the table and I don't care if, if you, this is your first time or you're, belong, or you're a relative or not. Like everyone's welcome at the table. Is that a good, is that good? So we could get caught up that, in that, like where we look to church to be a platform. Well, do they have a ministry to the homeless? Because that's what I'm called to do. Do they, um, do, are they, do they have space on their worship team? Because I have a really good voice. And are we looking to a church to be a platform for our gifts? Are we looking to come to a place, to a family to serve? Yes, I want you guys to use your gifts and serve or participate and thrive, but, but family doesn't have platforms, <laughs> or at least our family didn't. <laughs> and so, again, coming through of like, I'm coming to serve. So you might not have a, a, a calling or a gift for children's ministry, but if there are not enough Samuel School volunteers, then you should be concerned as a family because family cares about people being, our children developing children maturing. We had a, a young kid in um, our church in Denver, a family that had been coming since the very beginning, and this, this little boy was born um, with lots of complications, but at the age of like one, one and a half, they started getting worried about failure to thrive, and he wasn't, you know, his hair wasn't growing, he wasn't putting on weight, and the family is really concerned, obviously, going to lots of different doctors, the church is concerned, praying for them, finding out what we can do because family cares about you developing and maturing. Like, it's, it's like if we wanted a one-year-old, like they're cute, but we want a one-year-old to become a two-year-old. Naturally, that's their progression that they would grow and develop and mature and gain weight and their hair would grow and they would learn how to tie their shoes and they would learn how to speak and they would learn to go to school. And we want kids to grow and develop. And I want a body and to go to a church and I want a family to participate in that cares about me developing and me growing. So if I, if y'all meet me today and what is it, uh, what month are we in? October. If you guys met me again in March, I should look more like Christ. I should be developing. I should be maturing. And if I'm not maturing in Christ and developing, you guys should be concerned. And so when we talk about, man, family's in our business a lot, or you guys sure ask a lot of questions, or you sure want us to go to the prayer room a lot, or you sure, whatever, it's, I want you to grow in the Lord. And if I don't want you to grow in the Lord, like, there's a problem with me. I should be concerned about you developing and maturing in him. So that is why we ask questions, and that is why we hold each other accountable, and that is why we exhort each other and encourage each other and bless each other and invite each other to prayer sets or to the hearing room or to inner healing. It's like we should be looking more like Christ. And so, yes, we're going to ask questions, and family cares about children, us, all, developing and maturing. And so it's okay to be in each other's business, accountability, like it can be seen negative of like, I'm going to like punish you if you're sinning. But those two words is I'm accounting for your ability. 
I know, if I have God's perspective of you, I know that you are righteous. I know that you are pure. I know that you are called to freedom. I know that you have power of the Holy Spirit in you. I am accounting for the ability prophetically in you. And so I'm not punishing you with accountability groups. I'm calling forth your destiny. This is what God says about you. And so that's what accountability is. You should get encouraged and excited about it. Because we love one another and want one another to mature and develop. Um, I'm going to wrap it up because <laughs> I just looked at the time. <laughs> but um, uh, let's look at Ephesians 4. Let's end there with Ephesians 4, uh, starting in verse 11. Through, we're going to go through 16. But this is talking about the church. He gave some to be apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until, this is the goal, this is the church, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. From whom, sorry, I'm going, I'm keep going. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Stay, if you could leave that verse up. Each part, when it is working properly, makes the body grow so that it's being built up in love. Like, if you're, if, if you're a, we're all parts of the body. Can we all agree? We're all members of a body. So um, Paul talks about this, that the mouth can't say to the hand or the whatever. Like, you can't say, like, I don't need you. But if you're a, if you're a finger, like, if you're a finger for the body of Christ, then you need to be attached to a hand. And if you're a hand in the body of Christ, you need to be attached to this part of your body <laughs> and the elbow. And if I am a knee, I need to be attached to the rest of the leg, right? Like the, we are meant to work properly. And if the finger isn't, it isn't attached to the hand, then it's not a very useful finger. So you are meant to be attached to a body and a body part. So do you know where your gifts are and who to plug into to say, this, this, my, I'm more effective when I'm running with this? right? Like Justin's more effective worship leader when he's worship leading with someone like Alyssa. They sharpen one another. We sharpen one another. Iron sharpens iron. So man, one, one man sharpens one another, and we are meant to sharpen one another. We're needing, we need one another to grow up into the fullness. And I want to encourage you guys that the fullness is available to us. Like that's the goal, the fullness, the mature manhood, like, we're going to get there. But that means requires, like, some personal responsibility, this ownership that this is my body, this is my family. I have some internal motivation. I'm not looking to see what's, what are they providing to make sure I can step into it. It's inside of me. So if Upper Room Frisco doesn't have a gift or a ministry to the homeless, but your heart's burning for the homeless, that means your, your gift and your heart burning, it belongs here. Because what you have inside of you is going to sharpen this body. What you're carrying is for some, some family. 
And so don't come here thinking, oh, well, they don't have this or they don't have that. If you see it, that means you probably have the solution. If you see the problem, you're the solution carrier. And so I want you guys to come with your solutions, come with your gifts, come with your callings, come with your surrender, come with your humility to make fruit salad. If it's not the turkey, that's okay. Like, it's okay. Your gifts are needed, and let's be a family. Amen. Um, two things I felt specifically for this, for this family as I was praying, was, um, I put them in my phone. If I don't, if I don't look, I'm going to mess it up. That family is fun. <laughs> and maybe we don't actually have that perspective of like, well, my family, you know, y'all might be like, my family's pretty dysfunctional. My family's not fun. My family is like, but family should and is meant to be fun. So when you come here, it's not meant to be a drag. It's not meant to be a weight. Like, man, look, can, we, can this be a fun place? Can this be fun? Because he's here and in his presence is the fullness of joy. So family is fun. Can y'all say fun? fun? And if hats gets boring, say hats, family's fun. <laughs> Church is fun. He can get real deep. I know he's, he's super studious. Um, family is rest. This is the other thing I felt for you guys. Family is rest. And you might not, again, you might not feel that for specifically your family of your origin, but I believe that that is what the Lord has for his family. He says, if you strive to enter anything, enter into rest. And so when, when, we, when we first had the prayer room in the beginning days of Dallas, we used to call it the receiving room versus the prayer room because we used to come like, it's not about like storming the gates of heaven and like, I got to knock on this and I'm going to be that persistent window and like da, 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 da. It's like, man, first I have to receive. Who is he? Well, if he's a healer, then I have the gift of healing or I'm, I'm healed. And if he's redeemer, then I'm redeemed. And if he's deliverer, then I'm delivered. So first receiving him and receiving him tells us our identity. If he, is, if he is bridegroom, then I'm bride. If he's father, then I'm child. And as we look to him and receive from him and rest in who he is, then we know our identity. And so if we're missing and we're like tripping up on what's my identity, turn your eyes to him. He's going to, he, who he is determines who we are. And so I felt that for Frisco, that you guys, family is fun and family is rest. So I know I was talking about serve, Samuel's goal, <laughs> connect. But when I, when I go, when I go to my house, it's not like, it's not laborious for me to like host people or to clean my own like laundry. Like it's like, that's just like life. And I much would prefer doing it in my own house than going to someone else's house, right? So similarly, there's rest in a home. And I want this to be a place of rest, that you guys are receiving rest, that you're offering rest to those that come in. All right. So family's fun and family is rest. Can we stand? Can you grab the hand of someone next to you? Actually, let go of your hand. Let go. Sorry. 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 I, got, I was like, I have more to say. So I was like, y'all are going to hold hands for a long time. Um, but <laughs> this, is what, this, is a, this is a picture I had as well. So family's fun. Family's rest. And you participate in family. And I was thinking of this analogy. I went to this little school um, in Texas. Maybe you've heard of Texas A&M University. Um, <laughs> 
But I went to this school that there's this tradition, and I wanted to tell you about this tradition because the Lord just really spoke to me regarding this tradition and how family is meant to operate. There's a tradition there called the 12th man. And that, that, that came about from a game in 1922 where the Aggies were an underdog and they were, um, they were winning, but they had so many injuries that they were down to the 11 players. There were so many injuries. And so the coach called on a student in the student section who had previously been on the football team and went to play for the basketball team. But he called on him and said, I need you to be the 12th man in case one of these gets injured and can't finish the game. And so this, this player, his name was Gil, put on a jersey and stood on the sidelines the rest of the game ready to go in. He didn't go in. <laughs> Thankfully, no one else got injured. But then now, that's the 12th man, that's where it started, the 12th man tradition, that now every student in Texas A&M is considered the 12th man. So in that, we stand the whole football game. The whole football game, three, four hours, you're standing saying, I'm ready to go in if my team needs me. And when someone gets injured on the field, we take even a step further. So we're on the bleachers. If someone gets injured out of like honor and even more readiness, I'm taking a step off the bleachers to say, I'm even more ready. And that's what I felt like for the church of like, are we standing ready to go in if needed? Ready to go in to say, that's my family, that's my team. I'm, going, I'm about them winning. And so I am ready and I will participate. I don't want to spectate. Have this, these two words. I don't want to spectate. I want to participate. And too often we, get, we become spectators of what God's doing. Oh, God's moving on the worship team. Oh, God is moving in the hearing rooms or people are getting the gift of prophecy or tongues or whatever. And, he, and we're spectating versus he's inviting us to be participants. I don't want to spectate of seeing God's doing this over here. I want to be a participant in what he's doing. And so like 12th man, can we be that for the church? 